Hey yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown, here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill tech taco G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question: Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation built on trust, authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the Duke. Uh, what's success? Once again. Another shout out to Chills Music, the guy who did our intro song. Man, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's awesome. When I heard that thing, man, goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> one of the best things we ever did for the show. Anyways, no if you're thinking about doing the same thing, we'll have a link in the description below for how to contact Chills Music. This episode is brought to you by Clear Sky. Clear Sky is the only identity governance and security solution built natively on ServiceNow. It optimizes enterprise identity and risk management with a platform-first approach. Look, we have built a great digital world where we can plug and play people into our applications and information globally. Great for speedy operations, but can be a real nightmare for risk and security and governance who are left asking, who has access to what? Who authorized that? Should they still have it? When's the last time we checked? This is why CJ and the Duke love ClearSky. All of the benefit of a company with decades worth of ILM and IGA experience with a solution that's built natively on ServiceNow, the platform that we all trust. ClearSky, optimized identity management built natively on ServiceNow. Check the description below for an episode CJ and I did on ClearSky, as well as how to contact them. All right, Corey, what are we talking about today? All right, dude. Today we're talking about how to run a campaign using ServiceNow, a political campaign that is not a marketing campaign. Well, kind of marketing too, but a political campaign. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Corey has a very interesting hobby. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed. <laughs> That's a great. That is a great way of putting it, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm involved very heavily with local government here in the village where I live, and I'm currently on our version of the city council. I was appointed back in October. And I'm running for a new term, which is four years. And then prior to that, I'd run for this same spot back in 2019. I lost by about 50 votes, which kind of sucked. Um, How big's the village? 54,000 people. And you lost by Oh, God. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like pull my right. hair out. Dude, you can find 50 votes in the couch, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's awful (laughs) well it is chicago so so for those who don't know i live in the chicagoland area the village that i'm running for that i live in is is oak park illinois and there's no point in trying to hide it right you google my name it's the only thing that shows up (laughs) so if you're a fan of cj and the duke you will realize that we talk about build 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 all the time Right. Especially for newcomers, we're like, build what you know, build what you know. So Corey and I made this gigantic swimming pool of Kool-Aid and we've got three or four straws each and we are going to drink all that Kool-Aid. And in this episode, we are going to role play. Corey is going to be a stakeholder. I'm going to be an implementation consultant and we're going to explore his world of work and we are going to try and gather requirements for a political campaign app in service now. So what we hope you get out of this is just a way to engage with yourself, future customers, future employers, for how to make sure you have the best understanding of these apps before you go and build. 
Yeah, Duke, and, and one other thing I want folks to get out of this, right? So we often talk about the unconventional uses of ServiceNow, right? ServiceNow is marketed as ITSM, right? So IT service management. And then there's some other sibling processes, enterprise service management processes that get marketed under that same umbrella. You and I have often and for a long time been talking about utilizing ServiceNow in kind of non-traditional ways, right? Mm-hmm. Running a household, you often talk about the example of running an ice cream shop, you know, off your, off your bike when you were a kid, those sorts of things. And so I think this is a really good in practice version of some of that advice to see to so folks can see actually actually how it would be done and that it can be done. Exactly. It's it's about if you, if you have a craftsman come over to do something to your house, you're going to ask you all sorts of questions because you can't just say one sentence and it's done. Or even a better example, somebody's going to build you a house. Like think about all the stuff that goes into planning a build for a house. Yeah. And so it's like, no, we're not building a house, but the questions will get you there no matter what the situation is. Exactly. So, here we go. Um, <laughs> Corey, what is the... Um, like when you tell me you have to run a campaign, yeah. Like, what is the point of running the campaign? Oh man! So the point is to win the seat, right? That's the macro point, right? So there's an election, and you want to win the election. In the case of my campaign, there are three open spots, right? And there are five people running, and so what I want is one of those open spots, right? So that's the point of it. But that's the point of the my involvement in. It. But when you think about the campaign, the point is to maximize your outreach. Maximize getting in front of folks, right? Like you want your visibility in front of the, the village or whatever kind of constituency that you're running for, right? So I want to make sure that folks see me as often as possible, that they understand my message and that they know when to vote. That one is really, really key. That last one, that they know when to vote. Right. Because what happens is and what I heard a lot after the um, the election in 2019 is, oh, man, I didn't know the election was this Tuesday or crap. I would have did early voting because we had spring break and we, we didn't get back until Wednesday. Right. And so ensuring that folks know when they can vote for you so that they show up and actually do it is one of the keys. OK, so I'm going to I'm going to repeat back and you tell me if I've got the outcomes right. So this whole app has to make it easier for you to win. But if we break down the essence of winning, it's that you have to get as many people aware of you as possible. So outreach and awareness. Yep. But not only do they have to know that Corey Wesley exists, they must associate Corey Wesley with your message. Correct. Okay. And then they have to know when, and is it fair to say where to vote? Yes, when and where. Yep, absolutely. Could anybody in Oak Park go to any polling place in Oak Park or is it? Um, No. So that's the thing, right? So and during early uh, voting time, they have to go to Village Hall. And so early voting is like two weeks or something like that. And then on voting day, on actual election day, then they need to go to the polling place in which they're assigned, which will typically be like a school or some other public building like that. Wow. Okay. So I've broken it down into four outcomes that we definitely have to optimize. Maximizing the outreach, maximize the knowledge of your message, knowing when to vote, knowing where to vote. Is there anything else you can think of? I think that's a a great start, honestly. I mean, there's probably a few other things like there's some, uh, no, that's the point of it. No, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are the outcomes. Yes. Other outcomes are allowed. Like there must be several processes within a campaign. Otherwise, you'd just be doing this in your head, right? But clearly you have people and records and stuff like this. So why don't we break down some of the processes that you would have within a campaign? 
Yeah. So we talk about logistics a little bit, right? So um, you got to manage your volunteers, right? So you got folks who are going to be knocking on doors for you. You got folks who are going to be spreading your message via like social media or email or having outreach with their friends or hosting, you know, meet and greets and that sort of thing. Um, you, you also have fundraising, right? That, that one's really, really key. Just like you can't run an on me, right? On empty stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Some kind of metaphor like that, I remember. Or you can't run a campaign on an empty stomach either, right? Like you got to have money. And so fundraising is also one of those things. Uh, a local election, at least in our village, doesn't cost nearly as much as, say, like running for mayor in Chicago, but you still need some money in order to get it done. Communications is another thing that you want to make sure that you're tracking and scheduling and hitting the right frequency right and so and planning out right the, the plan of that especially with communications like when do the blog posts go out when do the social media posts go out when do the emails go out what are they saying what's the target demographic for this message because sometimes you're going to want to split your message up some people are going to care a little bit about issue a more than issue b so you target your message to emphasize issue A with people who care about issue A and mm-hmm. emphasize issue B with people who care about issue B, right? So all of that needs to be tracked and planned and scheduled, right? So that you don't lose track of it. And so that the logistics of communications are, are really key. There's a lot to unpack here. I've got some notes. I'm going to go over them. You tell me if there's anything I've completely misunderstood. Okay. So I've counted three processes so far. We can certainly talk beyond that, but one of which is manage your volunteers. Yes. Uh, so we have to have a, a place to store the volunteers, right? Yep. And you you mentioned three different types of volunteers. You have your door knockers, your social media, and your event managers, event planners, event executors. Yeah. Are people only one of those or are people many of those? Um, some people are going to be um, many of those categories. Some people might only be one. That um, you're gonna also have strategic advisors too, right? Like, so you might have folks that you that you have that you have to look at the communications before uh-huh. you send it out, so that kind of thing, or or just kind of advising on strategy in general. So you you would want another category for advisors as well. Okay, so I've added a category for advisors, but I want to come back to how those categories matter and the specifics of managing volunteers. Let's just go over the top level processes again. The second thing you mentioned was fundraising, and this involves obviously the asking and the. Sort Sources of where those funds are, right? But is there also any kind of compliance? Oh yeah, that you have to in your fundraising, you have to like track it a certain way, and so in order you could be compliant with some kind of campaign law or anything. Absolutely, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to punt the details of that to my treasurer, right? Who's not on mm-hmm. this call, but he I, that he he handles all of that for me. But yes, to be clear, there are campaign finance laws, right? And so you got to make sure that you're adhering to those and that you're disclosing donations above a certain amount in the mandatory reporting threshold time and things of that nature, right? And that you're keeping track of how much certain folks are donating. And I think there's some individual contributor limits as well. I don't, I don't know. I, like I said, I, I, I pun a lot of the details off to my treasurer because he's got a lot of experience with this. But yes, campaign compliance, finance compliance laws are a thing. And we need to uh, make sure that the system can support that. Okay. So uh, the, something I'm going to add to the outcomes list that we already discussed is that the campaign must be compliant. Yes. And I'm just going to break the fourth wall here for everybody listening. A, a really good rule of thumb is as soon as somebody starts talking about money, you start talking about compliance. Amen. Right? <laughs> yeah, you want to start thinking about as soon as people start giving you money, you want to start thinking about, okay, how do I record this? Yep. <laughs> because oftentimes they'll be thinking about just the numbers. I got to track the numbers. I got to track the numbers. But hit those two birds with one stone. 
provide them a solution that not only tracks the numbers, but maybe prevents, warns, inhibits your yeah. capability to do it wrong or in an uncompliant fashion. Absolutely. If there is a limit to individual contributions, right? Like you want the system to flag it or generate some kind of report when you got folks who are approaching that limit. Or if you try to enter in like a donation that's above that limit, then you can go back to the person who offered it up and return it and get you, get yourself down to the limit or something like that. Right. There are uh, mandatory reporting laws about contributions that come in above a certain level. Mm -hmm. Those things need to be disclosed near immediately, I think within five days. So, you know, we would build in some kind of rule for that as well. So if I'm entering into the ledger, say, contribution of $5,000 or something like that, that needs to be disclosed in like five days, right? Mm, so the system wow. should, yeah, the system should note that so that my treasurer can input that data into the requisite system for the state of Illinois so that it all gets done correctly. We know for certain that fundraising is going to have to be tracked in service now to some extent. And that we have to look out for mandatory reporting rules and your treasurer is going to give you that. So we will book a second meeting with your treasurer to talk about that. So that's two of the three of the high level campaign processes that you mentioned. The last one is communications uh, and sub process to that are planning, execution and targeting. Now, since you did this last year already, is it safe to assume that you already have a platform that does the actual mailing? Oh, this is funny, right? So 2019, when I did this, I did all of my email uh, communications through ServiceNow. And so, yeah, so that was the platform initially, but I'm reaching a much wider audience this time around. Mm -hmm. So I do have a platform for that now. When we talk about managing communications in ServiceNow, the tasky bit yeah. is planning the comms, the channels, and the targets, not necessarily the individual people targets, but the the interest targets, right? Yes. These people absolutely. are interested in property taxes. So send this one, send this email promising that there'll never be more property tax ever <laughs> to those folks, right? Yes. And then immediately go back on that once you get elected, because that is a promise you cannot keep. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You break it down by interest in that way uh, and then target folks that way. Um, sometimes you can use demographics to aid you in those interest things, but um, you know, other times you just might have to know. Like Fair to say the actual mailing list is in another what? platform, but for this communication, we're basically going to okay a message. Yes. So when I, when I think of somebody's check marking a message, that's an approval, right? So part of communication is approving. Absolutely. That's exactly how, how I would think about this, right? Like there's a, you know, a message that needs to go out on property, Texas, on this date to this demographic. Uh, let's make sure that there gets an, a candidate sign off or senior senior strategist sign off to make that get done. Because maybe the current atmosphere of the campaign means that you need to switch tactics. And so you do that in a moment. That's why I think an approval is really, really helpful. I'm skipping around a bit. And by the way, breaking the fourth wall again, it is okay to do that. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in a <laughs> workshop, it's not necessarily going to build itself in order. You will have to revisit concepts. Questions will pop up in your head. Feel free to bounce around a little bit because the most important thing is that you understand this thing like your stakeholder does. Absolutely. Right. Like you want to make sure that you understand, like you said, the outcomes, right? Like that's really yeah. what it, what drives a lot of this. You know, once you understand the outcomes, then you can understand what a value in the system is, right? So yeah, it's okay to jump around and try to get, paint the full picture. 
better now, even if you look disorganized or whatever, because you ask questions out of order and jump back to other things and where it's way better to do that at the start than it is to do it in the middle. Yeah. And look, I'm a systems thinker, right? It's one of the things that I actually advertise in my campaign in a, in a way that folks can understand. I don't actually use those terms. But what happens to with systems thinkers is, is that as you're starting to talk about a topic, another thread starts to become available off that topic and you start to explore. It's kind of like dot walking where you're coding, mm -hmm. right? You can start with, you know, the user table and then you can end up at the company table or the location table, right? Because you start to see these connections, right? So it's okay in a workshop to follow those connections as well and then eventually bring it back around. So I need to go back to the fundraising a bit. Uh, fundraising is about the, the accumulation of your fundraising knowledge and the compliance thereof. Do you have a similar need on the spend side? Like, do you have to track where you're spending certain stuff? Absolutely. You want to track everything you spend on a campaign. Right. You know, and there are different ways to do that. And again, I let my treasurer tell me, but I just let him know like any kind of thing. So like, you know, if I was using ServiceNow this time around, right, I pay for that um, as part of my company. I have my own instances, which is why I could use it for email um, mm -hmm. if I wanted to. But you would have to categorize that as an in-kind contribution, I think. But I, I'm not quite sure. So I would run it by him and, tell, and he'd tell me like, okay, so this percentage of it was used in the campaign or mm -hmm. something like that, hypothetically. And then we would qualify it. That way. That's what I think would happen. Again, I would punt those questions to him and he'd make sure that I was doing everything correctly. What I want to make sure is that I don't build you a solution for a problem that already has a solution. So no, when, no, absolutely. You're, when you're in a campaign, you're in the trenches and somebody's like, oh, we need to update our website with some information and you know, we don't have a web designer anymore. Like, let's just get a freelancer to update our website for like 500 bucks. Is that already factored for by your treasurer and accounting team? They just look at the bank transactions and then categorize it their own way. And is there any need for formal approvals? In my case, there's probably not a need for formal approvals because I'm the person who will be cutting the checks anyway, right? It's a local campaign, mm -hmm. really small sort of thing. I can imagine, right, if this was Chicago and somebody's running for mayor, that there's these levels of intermediaries where they would need approvals for X spin or right spin and Y spin and that, and that gets documented, right? So if we were building the system, right, and we're building the system, I'd say we need to make sure that we're documenting the spin, the purpose of the spin and getting approval for it. And even if that is, in, the, in my case, would be like a self-approval. Okay. So it's basically, it's, um, it's a possibility for a bigger scale campaign, but for yeah. a local election, it's probably not worth our time exploring for right now, right? Yeah. Unlikely that we need the approval mechanism, but I'd put that in the parking lot and you know revisit it if, if I was ever to like run for president or something. Okay. Just reviewing the campaign processes, managing the volunteers, fundraising, communications, and campaign spending. But we're putting that in a parking lot for right now. Well, we want, to make, we want to do the compliance aspect, just not the approval part. For the spending? For the spending, yeah. So I want okay, to- so you know, Talk we to want me to about that then. Yeah. So it looks like, it looks pretty much like the inverse of the donations, right? Like we want to know who we paid and the purposes of the payment. And if anyone volunteered their time instead of money, we want to record that as well. Okay. This is people volunteering time, people who work oh. for your campaign, volunteering their time to- Yeah. Let me, let me reframe that, right? Because that's not quite right. So say if you have a photographer and that photographer donates their services, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. You want to record that. Now people knocking on doors, you don't have to record that, right? Like that's just volunteer work. But if you have someone who's an expert in their field and they donate that expertise, then you have to record that because that's that whole in-kind contribution mm -hmm. thing that you need to don't document. Would I be wrong to assume that is a type of fundraising? I've got somebody like fundraising. This person gave me $10,000. This person gave me $10,000. This person gave me 10 hours of photo shoot time. 
Yeah, that's a good place to put it, actually. If you were to look at some of the compliance portals that are out there, that's where they tend to have it. Breaking fourth wall here for a second. There's a lot of social friction sometimes around asking questions. It is okay to ask clarifying questions, even leading questions to somebody whose app you're building. Corey mentioned pretty explicitly that this was within the campaign spending topic, right? But I had an instinct that it wasn't about the spending of money. It's about the acquisition of resources, which seems to align more in fundraising in my mind. And so I used my courage and manners, right? Am I right in assuming (laughs) I give him plenty of opportunity to tell me, no, you're wrong in a nice way. But I challenge, I challenge is the wrong word, Corey, but you know what I'm saying? I, I do, yeah. And I've got all rice right to tell you, no, dude, get out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> fired. Everybody's fired, especially you. <laughs> <laughs> you're fired twice. <laughs> but no, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, ask the leading questions. Challenge the answer. Sometimes if you think a person means different than what they're saying, because this isn't a court of law, right? Like what right. you're trying to do is get down to the truth of what they ask, what they're asking for. And you have to remember that you don't always know. I'll, I'll be honest with you, even as we're having this conversation, like it's helping me dial in on some of the things in the campaign that I actually need, right? So there are things that are popping in my head that I didn't even have actively cir- circulating in my brain before right. we actually started this conversation, right? So challenging me and pushing back on some of the answers does help me clarify you know, the thoughts on what I actually need. Awesome. So we talked about the general processes in a campaign, but let's talk about nitty gritty work, the assignable subtasks. And I think a lot of this comes in the management of volunteers, right? You said door knockers. Tell me what it takes to get your foot soldiers out there and knocking on doors. Just that part. First, you got to identify a pool of talent. So the folks who are going to knock on the doors, then you got to identify the area, area where they're going to knock. You need to have a match that they're going to convey, to, and then you want to have some kind of deliverable, right? That's going to be some kind of collateral that they can leave. And as part of that message, you want to have like, you know, talking points and maybe re- rebuttals, like depends on how deep you want to get, right? Mm-hmm. But they should know you well enough to be able to vouch for a lot of this stuff. And that's where the collateral comes in as well. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. For a given door knocking campaign, you have to identify the people that are on that campaign or, or on that door knocking night. You have to have messaging ready. And I hear there's different types of messaging. There's talking points and objection handling. Yeah. And there's the organization of collateral. Yeah. Which so would be like not, handouts. Yeah, exactly. It's not enough that I know how to talk about it. I want to leave you with Corey's smiling face above yep. the three bullet points of how Oak Park is going to be awesome afterwards. And then you have to assign them to... I don't know, I'm going back to my ice cream peddling days, but you call it a route or? Yeah, a route. That's a good way of calling it. Let's, let's a call, neighborhood let's call it a route. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, a neighborhood, a collection of houses, whatever you want to call it. Right? I think a route's just as good as anything. When you cover an, a neighborhood with door knockers, is that a fire and forget process? Meaning you just tell them to go do and there's no return metrics or feedback? You might do a debrief and figure out like if anybody actively refused your message or something like that. But most of the time, it's not really worth the time, right? This is really very much a a fire and forget, right? Like you want to knock on as many doors as possible to get as much awareness going as possible. And if people are unhappy about, you know, the candidacy, it's much better to just move on than to try to convince them. 
But would you ever like audit or improve on the fly any messaging? That's a good point, right? Like if, if a lot of folks are coming back to me and saying, hey, we are hearing that folks don't believe that you like puppies. And, you know, that we've heard that from at least 10% of the doors we knocked on, then that might be something we want to log somewhere and figure out, like, how do I do better messaging on me liking puppies? Everybody knows you don't like puppies. (laughs) (laughs) I love puppies, man. What do you mean? (laughs) I eat at least one puppy a day. Oh, we got to take that part. <laughs> with milk. With, with milk. Hi, dairy folks. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. The last campaign you run, did you have any kind of solution to get the talking points and the objection handling points to your door knockers? No, I did not. So, yeah, when I ran in 2019, I was a newbie to all of this stuff, man. I right. was flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't have organization or anything. I, I, I was... Uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, uh, so, you know, uh, when you watch like Spider-Man or whatever, everybody's got the you got the guy in the chair. Right. Like <laughs> I, was, I was the I was the candidate and the guy in the chair. Right. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have but I didn't have like the Avengers with me. I got the Avengers now, though. I'm going to talk through this, the management of volunteers for a door knocking campaign. I got to stop using that word campaign here because this is a, a giant campaign. But the, the, each door knocking event. Right. Is that like an evening? Everybody do these routes, and then a couple of days later, you do another one. A couple of days later, you do another one. Like these are multiply triggered workflows. Correct. That right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. So the start of that workflow is to get the pool of volunteers. Is that like yep. prior prior to you're getting commitment to the volunteer from the volunteers? Yes, because okay. then that because that allows you to do the next part, which is determining the route. Okay, so part two is determine routes. And you need to know the pool of volunteers because you don't want to create a route that's bigger than you have capacity to staff. Okay. Now, in terms of getting the volunteers message capable, and we just finished talking about messaging a second ago, to get them message capable, would that change outing to outing? Or is it, we, we have a new volunteer, they want to knock on doors for us. It's part of that volunteer onboarding process that they're given the talking points and objection handling. Does that, is that yeah. distinction clear? Yeah, yeah, and I would say it's the latter. As part of the onboarding, you'd get those that messaging, and it might evolve over time if we're feeling the winds change a little bit. But most of the time, door knocking is just really about getting your face in front of other people so that they know you exist, and and that's where the collateral comes in. And I think I guess this is the next part, right? So onboard messaging during on- onboarding. Last part of the process is make sure you leave the collateral because people might forget everything that you said when you after you that conversation, but they'll have that piece of paper where they can go to the website and go to the Facebook page. They can, you know, shoot an email, that sort of thing, and they can uh, continue that relationship. One of the things I've done here, Corey, is I've started breaking out into separate workflows. So clearly there is the organize a door knocking event, right? Where we're identifying the volunteers, assigning them to routes, making sure that everybody is okay on on talking points and objection handling, organizing and equipping them with collateral. So pamphlets, what have you. And then at the end of each of those nights, we're going to have a debrief session so that we could possibly loop back and do message improvements, right? 
Yeah, and the debrief might not be that same night, but it would sure. there, there should be like at the end of that particular event, there should be a debrief that happens at some point so that we can understand if anything needs to be tweaked. So that's kind of fuzzy, right? Like it's relatively informal. Maybe you package a couple nights into one debrief, that kind of thing. Right? That sort of thing, right? And it might just be like a volunteer initiated thing where they kind of maybe they push a button on an app that says, hey, I got some meaningful feedback. And then we, you know, we come together. Okay, cool. Like almost like a post event survey. Yeah, like a, yeah, exactly like that. Like a post event survey. Yeah, yeah. Generally, did more, did more places feel good about the message than bad about the message? They could just do a pulse check and then any specific feedback in it. In a text, that seems pretty cool, right? Because then you could basically like do a heat map of the neighborhoods you're doing. Yep. Based off of your foot soldier feedback on how the messages was was being absorbed. Absolutely. Yeah. You can almost and get more specific target information. That's exciting, man. That that is super exciting, especially locally, because there's no polling mechanism for local elections. Right. So you, you're kind of flying blind and hope that everything's working. But this is great, actually, when, when I think about it, because and even if you're just collecting a negative, right, even if you're not mm-hmm. collecting a positive, if you just collecting a negative, you can understand like where you might have big spots of negative. Uh, but well, yeah, if you, you use a word in there that I, I lost immediately, it's like it, you're doing this in lieu of a. Oh, um, polling. Right. Oh, yeah. In lieu of polling. Okay. Yeah. Because there's, it doesn't exist, at least here. Mm-hmm. And maybe it exists in some other localities, some local um, municipalities where you can actually figure out like how the race is going. Like in Chicago, it's big enough where there are newspapers and all, or all sorts of organizations that are polling the local folks. And you can kind of make a sense of where you stand. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can see Lori could see Lori Lightfoot, that is, right, could right. see oh, in real time whether or not she was gaining or losing. Right. right. There's none of that here in Oak Park. Probably right, so. a scale game, right? Like you just, if you're yes. pulling one out of every 10 people, like in Oak Park, you'll only get 5,000 if everybody votes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, exactly. And so you just want to push as hard as you can and try to, it, like you said, it's a scale game to reach as many people as possible so that they know who you are and hopefully have a chance to understand what you're about and agree with it. All right, folks, we are at 36 minutes of record and clearly... There's a lot more to talk about, (laughs) but I just want to quickly review what knowing what good questions to ask and engaging your customer in this way, just how much you can extract in 30 minutes of conversation. So Corey, let's review. What is the point of a campaign? A point of a campaign is to win a seat. But if we break down the component pieces that contribute to winning a seat, we have maximizing our outreach. The more people we interact with, the better. The more people that know our message the better. The more people who know when and where to vote, the better. And our campaign must be compliant. So that's five points that we know this app has to contribute to, right? And in fact, maybe as you review all these features and decide what you're actually going to build, you rate them against these five points. If it doesn't support that point strongly, maybe it's something you backlog. Right. Now, what are some of the processes within a campaign? Well, we know that there is a process for managing volunteers. And there are several types of flows within that. There's knocking on doors, there's social media management, there's events, there is advisory. Okay. And even before that, there is the onboarding of the volunteers ourselves 
Uh, we have one note in the onboarding workflow that we have to get the volunteers, the talking points and objection handling, which also means we need a place to store our talking points and objection handlings. We also have a process for fundraising. We have to talk to a different stakeholder for that. But basically, we have to obey some mandatory reporting laws. And that includes not only monetary contributions, but also time contributions to our campaign. Then this is a third process under campaign management, which is managing the communications. Now, we are probably going to have a external tool for mailing list management and, and mailing list segmentation. But in ServiceNow, what we plan to do is generating communication plans. What are we going to do? How are we going to send it? What is the medium that we're using? Like, is it social media? Is it mailers? Is it whatever? And then we're also going to manage the execution of that. Included in that process is going to be some sort of approval so the right people authorize the right communications. We also want to have an earmark here for further discussions on targets. Uh, and targets can be interests or demographics or any combination thereof. When it, uh, we're going to go back to the pro campaign process of managing your volunteers. And we just took the one workflow of the door knocking event. And in the door knocking event, we need to identify the volunteers that are going to be on that, what routes they're going to take. We want to make sure that they have read the talking points and objection handlings, the latest versions. We need to equip them with collateral to leave on site. So this would be like a little pamphlet, what have you. Then we got on a potential real big win, which is can we extract information from that foot campaign to tell us more about the neighborhoods that we are putting outreach in. It's already looking like a fantastic app build and not too small either. It's pretty significant. And that was 30 minutes of conversation. Yes. And Duke, another thing I think we need to uh, emphasize here is that you are not a local election expert. You have you, you didn't come into this knowing the questions to ask because you had experience here. Um, you are a ServiceNow expert. And yet we still got to this point, despite the fact you not being a subject matter expert on the thing that I need you to build. I keep telling people, man, like playing role-playing games in high school taught me more about <laughs> how to do my job than three years of college did. <laughs> no, right? No, right? Like you put yourself into into the shoes of X and then here we go, right? That next thing we're slaying dragons. <laughs> All right. We are 40 minutes in and, and this is episode 80 and we still 80. don't have an outro. <laughs> 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 we'll see you on the next one, folks. We out. <laughs> hey, yo, welcome to the winner's circle. Polish your crown. Here to optimize your workflow. That's service now. This ain't your typical run-of-the-mill. Tech talk, go G's. We're the best in the field. We'll help you level up and build your credibility. Now let me ask you one question. Who the realest be? Unapologetic. If we said it, then we meant it. Foundation build on trust. Authentic, so it's cemented. Better make way. Only facts in the booth. You're now tuned in with CJ and the dude. Uh, what success? I'll let you in on the scoop. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Come on. Yeah. Make your mind your best friend and fill it up with the truth. Yeah. CJ and the Duke. What's that? Huh? Service now. Come on. Yeah. I said welcome to the winner's circle. Yeah. Yeah.